What is up, everybody? This is the Wild Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Heskett, and this is episode 115. And today we're going to talk about why food isn't toxic and why there needs to be nuance in this discussion that we are seeing online all the time. You can't avoid it. So we're going to talk about that today. So let's just go ahead and get this kicked off. So unless you've been living under a rock or for some reason you're listening to a nutrition podcast, but nutrition info is not all over your social media feeds. It is very popular just to label foods good, bad, or toxic, which let's just go ahead and define toxin. So define toxin. Let's just like Google that really quick. Uh, toxin is a a poison or venom of a plant or animal origin, especially when produced by or derived, blah, blah, blah. So it's a poison or a venom um, when people say toxic. So everything can be toxic. Let's, again, clearing the air. In the right dose, and this is the nuanced part, we need to talk about the dose of things because everything, when you eat too much of it, can be toxic. Vitamin A is very important for the body. You have too much, you run into a lot of issues. Um, You know, it becomes toxic. Too much vitamin D, fat-soluble vitamins are usually guilty. D, K, E, A, those vitamins, you have too much, you can get, uh, what is it, hypervitamosis? I forget the actual term, but you get a vitamin toxicity level. And normal levels, they're very beneficial for the body. Um, you drink too much water, you get hyponatremia, which is basically water poisoning where the electrolytes get so low in your bloodstream that your the electrical signals in your cells aren't firing properly. So your cells aren't functioning properly. And to keep your brain working and heart pumping and lungs working, like those electrical signals need to work properly. So there's lots of different things that we need to have a nuanced discussion with when it comes to are things toxic. Now, are certain foods toxic for certain people? Yes. If you have celiacs and you eat gluten, that food's really bad for you, even in small amounts. But if you have gluten sensitivity, you might be able to eat a small amount of gluten and be okay. But if you eat, say, three servings a day, four servings a day, five servings a day, different story you might not feel great but it's also not going to be necessarily you might feel really bad but it's not going to be toxic to you on a different note um everyone sees sugar as a toxin and uh artificial seeds uh artificial sweeteners and seed oils and those things so that's what we're going to talk about today and why you don't need to be as scared in the grand scheme of things, as people make you believe. Because currently, you log on and every if you're the average person, you don't know what the fuck to eat. Let's be honest. Like, everything is bad for you. Vegans are going to say that meat is bad and killing you, while the carnivore community is saying veggies are bad for you. Meanwhile, they're also saying, you're like, oh, well, maybe it's like fruit. And then they're like, well, sugar is bad for you and insulin. So since fruit spikes your insulin, that's bad for you. So you get into this thing of like, what the fuck do I even eat? And it all, for me, it always comes back to that every single food 
you eat has pros and cons to it when it comes to your health. You eat a steak and you grill and you have those char marks and you're going to get what are called um, aromatic polycyclic amines or carbons. Aromatic polycyclic somethings. Um, and those have been linked to different kinds of cancers when you eat excess amounts. Um, and then saturated fat for some people uh, is really, really bad and it will spike their cholesterol up. But it's really high in a whole bunch of B vitamins and minerals like iron and zinc, which a lot of people, like my wife, tend to be a little bit low on in their diet. Okay, so there's pros and cons there. Broccoli, yeah, you might have oxalates in there. Oh, no. But there's also going to be other things that are really good. Fiber being one of them, different vitamins and minerals, blah, 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 and uh, phytochemicals. Um, antioxidants, things like that. Well, the antioxidants in the broccoli can help counteract some of the negative aspects of the steak and vice versa. So you have to remember that humans are omnivores. And it's best, instead of looking at things in isolation, look at things in terms of like, am I counterbalancing the negatives with the pros of these other foods? And then the pros of this other food I'm counterbalancing, does that counterbalance the other and that's kind of how to look at things and when you have a balanced diet you don't have to think about that if you're like oh shit how do you even think of this like you don't need to when you have a diet that's high in good quality proteins lots of different plant foods high in fiber good amount of carbs fats protein like all that stuff you don't have to think about that much unless there's certain specific things where we see gaps in your diet. And that's where you can use an app like Chronometer and see if you're chronically deficient in certain nutrients or if your body, you can do like a genetic test and see like for myself where I need about double the choline of the average person, which is why like I always eat eggs and never get sick of them because they're a really good source of choline. My wife, on the other hand, doesn't have that trait. Um, I have, uh, um, it's called SMPs, SNPs. Um, they're genetic variations of what is called my BCL1 gene, which is the gene that converts beta carotene, which is plant vitamin A, into retinol, which is animal vitamin A, the actual uh, vitamin A that your body uses. So this is why... Um, I know most of my listeners are female, so why do you see retinol products for face care and not beta carotene? Well, your body actually uses the retinol products. It, it ha you have to go through the BCL1 gene to convert beta carotene. Well, my gene doesn't work efficiently, so it only converts, say, like fifth, anywhere between 30 and 50% of the beta carotene I consume into vitamin A. Um so that's where that, and this is a little bit higher level where, okay, what can I optimize? But for the average person, this might be you listening, just going from like, okay, I'm eating a lot of really refined foods, white flours, um, packaged goods to a little bit more less processed foods, balancing the plate where, okay, you used to eat veggies, but to be honest, like they were like, not that many. Um, now it's like half your plate's veggies. A quarter is like protein and a quarter is starch. And maybe that starch is like a fun starch where it's not the perfect thing. But you're like, well, I'm still getting this. But at the same time, like I'm eating a ton of veggies with it. 
So you're counterbalancing things. So this brings me back to the point of not being afraid of these certain things in isolation. And that's the key point. When you, and a lot of studies you see from people saying these things are going to be like petri dish studies or rat studies. So, for example, aspartame. Aspartame is really bad and blah, 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 blah. And while, on side note, real quick before I get into this, I'm not saying go consume these foods that contain artificial sweeteners. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you choose to, you can choose to actively avoid. Like we try to limit. Uh, But if you choose to go and do them, it's also like, oh my God, I'm so bad. Like this is going to kill my health. Like it's not that. So when it comes to aspartame, they found that for humans, you need like the acceptable daily intake is 50 milligrams per kilogram which means absolutely nothing to the average person basically it's the equivalent of drinking 19 cans of soda so the person drinking say 19 cans of soda and you're like oh man it's definitely the diet soda is the issue is it that or is it more likely that the person who drinks 19 cans of soda in a day probably has a lot of other unhealthy habits even though they're drinking calorie-free diet soda, 19 cans is excessive. So if you look at, say, this person, and this is a hypothetical, is it the diet soda or is there a lot of other things going on? So people will make, try to make the switch to diet soda and people will be like, oh my God, it's terrible, but it's calorie-free. One or two cans a day is not going to kill you. And long run, you can always eliminate it. But the nuanced conversation is, let's say you go from regular soda with calories 150 to 200 calories per soda usually so you say you drink two of those a day and you switch to diet okay well you just eliminated three to four hundred calories out of your diet and say in the next six months you go down to one soda a day and then six months later you're drinking no soda a day well if you truly believe that, say, diet soda is not good for you, then it's been eliminated. It just took longer. But a lot of charlatans online will say, like, no, you have to cut that out immediately. And this is where people fall off because if you're trying to, say, lose weight, a lot of times, especially myself, but this is common for many people, your sweet tooth goes up. What's a great way to kill your sweet tooth? Diet soda. I can tell you in a few weeks my craving for diet soda will go up. And I will have it more than any other time of the year. The rest of the year, I don't really want it. I'll get it. Um, like my wife's family generally has like soda and stuff for get-togethers. So usually I just ask for like a diet soda because I don't want all the sugar and all those calories. Um, or when I'm like traveling, like on a plane, like sure, I'll have one like just to enjoy, like no big deal. I don't want water right now. I'll, I'll have one. But it's very few times out of a year versus what people will be like, oh, my God, it's going to. If you don't think your body is capable of handling one of those, then you probably should go see a doctor and figure out whatever health condition you have and stop get, get off social media, stop listening to this podcast, like go go figure that out. Because your body is very resilient and very good at processing lots of things, especially when you eat a good balanced diet, which supplies it with all the nutrients it needs to function properly. So that's artificial sweeteners. So it, again, the poison's in the dose. I forget what the actual toxic level, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And that's where you see these studies like, oh, 
my God, like they did it on rats and this happened. And like, you can't ethically do it on humans, like give them that much, but you can try to start to see the upper intake levels. And again, the upper intake is so ridiculous. Like you're drinking an entire case of soda a day, not even like a two liter. Like I'm pretty sure that's more than two liter thing of soda a day. Do some people do it? Yes. Do the majority of people do? No. And the people who do that, again, there's probably other things going on affecting their health. It's not the diet soda. Um, Gluten, I brought up earlier. Not everyone needs to avoid gluten. People have been eating gluten for a long time. And it kind of ties in with the glyphosate thing. Like, well, maybe it wasn't gluten. It was glyphosate. (sighs) Okay. If you actually like look like since I've gotten into food plotting, one of the things we use for weed control is glyphosate. So yeah, um, I use glyph, you know, Roundup basically glyphosate to spray my food plot area to get rid of a lot of invasive plants, which otherwise you would spend forever and ever and ever trying to destroy. And when we're talking about trying to improve the nutrient quality of your food, farmers kind of have a few issues. So if you go try to go the no-till method, um, you have to use spray to control weeds and things because bare ground, open ground, like weeds are going to take over, especially invasive species. Or you can till up the ground over and over and over, which destroys the soil. So all the microbes and things, the the fungi in there, I think that's how you say the plural, um, they, there's this network that's formed right underneath the soil. And when you disturb it, you basically destroy that and it has to rebuild itself. Well, if you're doing that multiple times in a year that it's basically dead soil, like all the microbes have disappeared. So you're left with two choices. You can either till to kill the weeds and like till the weeds under, and then you have what's called like a seed bank where, okay, great. You tilled that up, but there's seed three inches below the, sur- the soil now, and you just till that to the surface. So now that weed seed's up top, you still have to deal with that. Or you can spray, or a lot of people do a combination thereof. So glyphosate's one of the weakest things. And I'm not saying like go and like, oh, glyphosate's great for the body. I'm not saying that. But I'm also saying like, as you're probably going to run into more issues if you consume glyphosate in your food if you're not having a very well-balanced diet. One of the power of powers of fiber is it binds to toxins and then you poop it out. So if it's there, and I'm not an expert of how glyphosate's processed through the body, but I can tell you it's not as much to worry about, at least early on, as people lead you to believe. Now, again, if you can afford to buy things that avoid it, go for it. I'm not saying, oh, well, just don't worry about it at all. I'm not saying that either. I'm saying it's not that big of a deal that if you can't afford to avoid it, it it's very minute. Um, we can't afford like to avoid everything that would be sprayed with glyphosate because it's used on everything. It's one of the weakest killers and it's very selective and what it kills. So, for example, um, that's why you see it in wheat because it kills what's called, I believe it kills what's called broadleaves. So it generally leaves grasses, which are is like wheat and rye and oats and barley alone. So your grains, it basically leaves alone. Um, and you, you've heard of like Roundup Ready soybeans probably, and that's just the, the soy plants 
are resistant to Roundup, so you can spray the... Yeah. Anyways, moving on from that. Seed oils. Let's go right into seed oils. Let's jump onto that bandwagon. So, people say, like, seed oils are rancid, blah, blah, blah. We would see much more in the way of health issues if the oils were actually rancid. Um, And at the same time, there's a difference between all the different seed oils. So, like, I wouldn't necessarily recommend eating soybean or corn oil. Very high in omega-6s. Most people have too much omega-6 in the diet, too little omega-3, which creates an inflammatory environment. But when you look at canola oil, that has a much more balanced omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, or some of the other ones, like sunflower seed oil, people like get up the on. I'm like, you know, with not much effort, you can make sunflower seed oil basically at home kind of like you make peanut oil like it's not really that hard so people like act like sunflower oil is super terrible it's not that especially with like your black oil sunflower like the ones you give birds like it's not that hard to get oil out them so yeah maybe there is a deodorizing process that they might go through but they're not as big of a deal and they're affordable for certain things. Am I saying eat all the foods with these things, cook all your food in them? No, I'm not saying that, but the occasional thing that contains them isn't going to be a big deal. Um, using them because it's way cheaper. Say you want something fried and you're like, I'm craving this. I haven't had it in six months and it would cost me $20 in avocado oil to do this, or it's going to cost me a couple bucks in canola oil to to, to fry it up. Well, you're frying like it, it's not healthy food if it's fried. So like let's just call a spade a spade. Like either way, like it's going to be a fried food. So why don't we just if you can't afford like twenty dollars of avocado, save the avocado oil for your regular day to day cooking, and then maybe make those foods fried every once in a while and at the same time the people consuming say canola sunflower seed cotton seed what other ones uh the corn the soybean oils all the time are the foods that are being fried in them the issues or is it the the corn oil or is it the lifestyle factors as well like the people eating a ton of these seed oils that are frying foods where we know fried foods generally aren't the greatest for our health, is it more of a lifestyle issue and not just like one isolated food? And everyone wants to point out like, it's the one food, like you remove seed oils and everything is better. Same thing applies on the reverse. I removed seed oils and everything felt better. Did you just remove seed oils or did you also, because you removed seed oils, you removed a lot of packaged and really hyper-processed foods from your diet, you start working out, you start drinking more water, you start being more aware of the foods you're eating because you're like now reading labels, trying to avoid these things. Is that actually the reason you feel better? Or it's definitely the seed oils, right? Again, nuanced conversation when it comes to these things. Food dyes. Let's talk about food dyes. And uh, no way, we tried to limit food dyes. So let's just be honest here. Um, in our household, we try to limit food dyes. And food dyes do cause, so they don't cause issues. 
Let's get that clear. The food dyes aren't causing. What they do in certain people is exacerbate the issues. So if, I think it's like ADHD with like red 40. If you have ADHD, it makes it worse. But the person already has ADHD. Like it, it's already a thing there. So it's not causing the issue. It's just making it worse. So yes, certain people should avoid certain food dyes. And when you see the things of like, well, these America allows excellent number of food dyes, which are banned in Europe. Well, guess what? Europe allows X number of food dyes that are banned in the U.S. So don't listen to people who also say things like that, where, oh, well, these foods are banned over in Europe, so they're automatically bad. What? Well, Europe's using foods that are banned here in America. So why are those automatically just good? Like, it was the FDA paid off or are they also potentially bad? Or is it just like maybe the dose is the, the thing to talk about and someone's eating just a shit ton of red 40. Maybe it's not the best diet. Like if you're eating a ton of things with food dyes in it, like I don't know if you ever seen like the ketchup bottles, which are like colored completely blue or things like probably like nobody's pretending that's a health food, like probably not a health food, but you also probably don't need to worry so much like the one like if you get those like Christmas cookies and like once a year you break those out and it's like there's a little bit of red food dye like it's not that big of a deal. Like the dose makes the poison and maybe you give it to your kids or yourself and you know it's like afterwards like I like other cookies I'm fine. I get hit that red 40. I feel like crap like can't focus whatever. Then then avoid it. I'm not saying you have to eat these at the same time but I'm saying – don't be like, oh my God, this is terrible. Because your kid is going to go out in the world if you have kids and they're not always going to be with you and they're going to you know, have birthday cake someplace and there's food dye on the icing or the cupcakes or the Gatorade bottle, which are still colored. On the same note, my wife and I tried to do food dyes, uh, like the natural food dyes, um, a couple two years ago I think for like Easter or I forget what it was and so the the yellows colored with turmeric which tastes like dirt um so guess what the food dye tasted like like turmeric um the one was used uh the purple had turmeric and like beet juice in it so guess what it tasted like beets with turmeric Super good when you're going to use that on cookies, right? Uh, the green was like broccoli extract. So, you know, the super strong sulfur taste from broccoli. Imagine that concentrated. Yep. Super tasty. Um, I forget. There's like one. Maybe it was the red that was like okay because it was like beta carotene. Or no, it was like carotene tasting because it was beta carotene, I think. No, that's not red. That would be yellow orange, which is the turmeric. Um, I forget what the red was. I think that one wasn't too bad, but they weren't great by any means. Like it was like, these taste like garbage. We made like a little bit up. And it was like, this tastes like shit. Like we cannot use this. It will taste like dirt. Like, no. So we can just like avoid food dye altogether. There's that. But for Christmas, if you're like, oh my God, like the family tradition is this, how do I navigate this? And we're past Christmas now, but there's still other holidays. 
Fourth of July, red, white, and blue, you know, silly to say a little bit, but that's six and a half months away. That might be the next time you run into it. Do you need to be worried about if someone brings like an American flag cake, which is color with food? Probably not that much. Um, the, uh, what else do I have here? Carbs, insulin, and sugar. Just no. So if your body is metabolically healthy, overall, you're a pretty healthy person. Uh, you should be able to process carbs. So I saw someone like, you can't balance your blood sugar with carbs. It's just not possible. Meanwhile, no, I'm not going to bring that up because it doesn't make a point. But um, your body, you eat carbs, you release insulin. Insulin is there to bring your blood sugar back into balance. Now, again, I'm not saying eat a ton of refined sugar. But if you're a generally healthy person and you go out and have ice cream every once in a while, it's not that big of a deal. Like you can be perfectly healthy and eat ice cream or eat cookies or cake or pastries every once in a while or pasta. It is fine every once in a while. I'm not saying do it every single day. More often, you should be having carbs which contain fiber. So whole grain pasta, potatoes, sweet potatoes, quinoa whole grains like um say barley things like that whole grain tortilla wraps whole grain bread you should not be having just like super refined things all the time um unless you're like really good at hitting your fiber intake in which case like a little bit here and there is not going to affect you because when you have a meal and people will talk about these foods in isolation so um I don't know about you, but generally I'm not eating just one food in like a meal in isolation, like a white flour type meal in isolation. Like I'm not just eating pasta. I'm having pasta with meatballs and maybe some veggies thrown in or a side salad. So when it's not in isolation, it's not that big of a deal because those things, like I said earlier, help balance it out. So instead of that massive insulin spike, if you ate it in isolation, fats and proteins are going to slow down digestion. And then if you add the veggies and things, which add fiber, that's also going to slow down digestion. So you smooth out that insulin spike. So that's why there's the glycemic index, but the lesser known thing is the glycemic load, which is another thing to talk about because the glycemic index, so glycemic load is basically the amount of insulin needed to be released versus like glycemic index is like how like much is going to spike your blood sugar and like carrots are high in the glycemic index but then you're like well there's hardly any carbs there there's like five grams of carbs like not a big deal so who cares like it's so small that that when you tie it in i you know people sometimes like just snack on carrots separate but generally most people are going to be eating carrots with something else so it's again not that big of a deal because those other foods are going to help counterbalance the potential negatives which is why we generally eat mixed meals we don't just eat just one thing usually or if we do it's like meat um or it even like cakes cookies those tend to be mixed they're not just like carbs remember they're about 50 percent of the calories come from fat with those things Next thing is veggies with the anti-nutrients. Some people are going to be more sensitive to certain veggies than others. Um, I did a thing where here's foods I don't eat. 
Um, I generally limit beans. I can't really have Brussels sprouts anymore because it causes me to have a ton of bloating. Um, there's just certain foods that I personally don't do well with. That doesn't mean they're bad. Like, I love, you know, air fryer Brussels sprouts. Roasted Brussels sprouts are delicious. They don't love me. Other ones, like broccoli, I'm fine with digesting it. They're in the same family, if you didn't know that, like the cruciferous vegetable family. Um, so you don't need to worry about the oxalates and the phytates and the uh, – isn't there one that starts with an L? Phytic acid, oxalates, I'm blanking. There's a lot of anti-nutrients out there. That I'm not going to deny that. There's different processing techniques you can do to help reduce them. For example, with – Bread, the reason sourdough was very popular, one, it was like there was no like instant yeast back in the day, but also that slower fermentation process helps break down some of the anti-nutrients in there. Um, when it comes to other foods, there's certain things you can do. Fermentation, for example, like cabbage, you ferment into sauerkraut or kimchi. Um, these help break down some of the anti-nutrients and release or sometimes even create, for example, the microbes help create more vitamin K in these different foods. But it doesn't mean that the food itself is bad just because it has some oxalates, which are hardly absorbed, hardly absorbed by the body unless except for a few genetic variations out there. It's not that you don't need to worry about it. Does that mean like, hey, like I'm eating this food, which is very high. So like spinach and iron. It is good good to know that, yeah, spinach does contain a lot of oxalates. It does contain a lot of iron. And you're probably not going to absorb as much iron from that food as possible. However, we can use an acid like lemon juice or vinegar to help release some of that iron. So you can absorb a little bit more. Um, we can cook it to help release some of that so that you can absorb a little bit more. It, does that mean it's going to be as good as a steak? No. Is it much lower calorie than a steak? Absolutely. Um, so spinach is often one that is demonized because one, the vegan community is like, look, there's all this iron. So the rest, it's a balancing act with things. And that, you know, we're going to wrap up here. You, when we're talking about things in isolation, and it's a Petri dish study or it's a rat study where they give a ton, ton of this certain ingredient, which would be unethical to do in a human trial. That's very different. And you have to – then when you look at the actual human trials, they're usually at healthier dose or a normal dose of what the normal person is going to eat. Like I don't know many people who have 19 cans of soda. Four cans of soda – in a day, yeah, maybe. Five, maybe six, maybe 19. No, 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 no. Average person, one or two probably of diet soda. I don't know that many people having 19. Um, so you have to have a nuanced conversation of the dose makes the poison. And then in normal day-to-day -day situations where you add those foods into the diet – are you having them in isolation or are you having mixed meals and that's just part of the meal? Does it react the same way? 
more often than not, is going to be a resounding no. And when we do see people generally feeling better because, hey, I reduced this thing, usually there's a lot of other things to go along with it. We like to pinpoint one thing. It's like people are like, oh, my God, this fat burner worked really well. Except they started working out. They started eating better because they wanted to maximize the results. They started to go to sleep on time. Like, yeah, of course you're going to get better results. It wasn't from the cheap old fat burner, which was basically just a cup of coffee with the caffeine in there. It was from you actually doing the things it takes to improve your health. Was it removing seed oils or was it the fact that you cut out a whole bunch of bullshit from your diet of really hyper-processed foods in excess and instead now you're having them like once a day maybe a small like an actual portion of it and you're not having it multiple times a day like you're not having a donut for breakfast and then you're not going and ordering a sub for lunch and then you're not having um chicken nuggets and french fries for dinner and then you are having some sort of like ice cream or something for dessert if yes any changes to that like if you're like oh there's definitely the seed oils in that diet like no it was now that you're you switch to eating uh fruits and meat yeah you're going to feel better you're going to lose weight because you are now eating better quality food it also doesn't mean you need to cut out like it keep the uh, occasional donut in there keep the occasional ice cream that's not gonna be the problem enjoy chicken nuggets every once in a while enjoy french fries every once in a while it, that's not the problem the problem is doing it in excess where it's like oh we went from one extreme to another extreme and this is again where you see the carnivore and vegan community of vegans being like oh i cut out meat and i feel absolutely amazing now some people just don't tolerate meat very well my mom's one of them actually um and so she doesn't eat a lot of meat but they cut out this – is it that they cut out meat or they cut out the things that they thought were kind of like really fatty steaks, processed things like hot dogs, really fatty hamburgers, chicken nuggets. They cut those things out. They weren't cutting out like grass-fed steak and pasteurized chicken breast. Doubtful it was that. So yes, going from like eating hyper-processed foods, very high in calories, to eating more nutrient-dense foods – you're going to feel better. Same thing with carnivore. Oh, just eating meat and cutting out all veggies and fruits. That was it. Or was it that you cut out all these excess things? And now some people do have issues with their gut and carnivore can be a very powerful tool for healing the gut, but it's not a permanent solution. Anyways, look at these things with nuance. Look at the studies they're citing. Are they human studies or are they Petri dish? which is in vitro, if you don't know that. So just so you know, moving forward, in vitro study is Petri dish study, or is it a rat or animal study? Um, if we're moving towards monkeys, we get like animal studies give us a, an idea, but you can look at that like, oh, this happened with rats. You have to go into the actual study and look at the dose that they gave them and like, well, it was 50 milligrams per kilogram, and that is, whoa, that's 19 cans of soda. Like, okay, that they were finding the toxic level of this thing, and that's a ridiculous amount. So smaller doses are going to be fun. It's not like, well, that's just a smaller dose of toxin. No, if I overeat vitamin A, like I have a vitamin A dropper here, if I drink this whole bottle, it's going to be really bad for me. But if I have one dropper, which one drop is going to give me 
167% of my daily needs, that's going to be fine. But if I drink the whole bottle, which is 600 servings, which I don't want to do that math, but that could give me a vitamin A toxicity right now. That would be really bad. So it's, you have to think of these other things the same way. Like, hey, like small amount might be neutral or might be slightly negative, like on a sliding scale. But in the grand scheme of things, if the diet soda keeps you on track, that kills your sweet tooth. And then the rest of your diet looks good. It's going to counterbalance the potential negatives there. Again, I'm not saying you have to eat these foods, but I'm saying if you want to or the occasional craving pops up, it is okay there. You're not destroying your health. And that moving forward, you need to look at things through the lens of nuance. Don't just take things on face value. Always ask questions. Um, if you have questions for the creator, sometimes the comment sections are super toxic, in which case maybe you message them. For example, like I messaged Paul Saladino back in the day. He sent me a voice memo back. I actually asked him about like getting a magnesium on, on the carnivore diet. He sent me a voice memo back. Like it was actually kind of cool. You can ask these creators, like if you see something and you're like, this makes sense, but it seems a little too good to be true. You can message them. You can ask for what's, what was the, um, so if you're looking for research studies, you want to actually look it up, the PMID, uh, PubMed identification, um, PMID is what you want to look, ask for. And they, they can give, most people will put that up. It's in the, like the little screenshot they take, or you can, um, if it's not there, you can't find it. You can always ask them. And if they're not willing, I would put a giant red flag on that, like, hmm, they're hiding something. Anyways, as always, guys, appreciate you guys um, down below. If you guys need uh, supplements from Seeking Health, um, as I mentioned, the vitamin A supplement, but vitamin D, multivitamin, um, or anything else related to that, th there's a link down below. Send me a message. Um, the coupon code changes all the time. So send me a message if you want to get 10% off. There's also 15% off of Levels Protein, which is the protein powder I've been using for well, since 2020, so close to four years at this point. Um, they are the one that um, I don't really get much in the way of bloating or anything. They're not the lowest in calories, but um, there is no artificial sweeteners in there. So on that note, I do know people who don't feel good with sucralose. Literally, they just have it. They consume it, and even though on paper everyone should be fine with sucralose, if you don't feel good having something, you can avoid it. You don't have to have it but it also doesn't mean that it's bad for everyone. So that's down below, 15% off if you use that link. And as always, if you, and I do, I get a commission from Seeking Health. I think I have to say this. I do get uh, like a 3% commission, like it's not much from Seeking Health. Um, I think my last pay, I was like $2.87 or something from someone. Um, and uh, with Levels, I actually don't get a commission. So that's just their like loyalty program. So I get like a 15% off like my next purchase. So it's kind of like the friends thing. Um, so you can actually go and sign up for that yourself too if you really like their product. But you can try it out 15% off down below. Um, and as always, please leave a review as that helps the show get more recognition and helps push it out there. Um, I also go through, I'm actually going to go through because I'm doing this on a Monday after I'm done recording this. And I'm going to go through and look at if anyone left reviews um, right now, actually. 